Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 191 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm your host, Chris Tripodi, and with me, as always, is Tony Pauline. And over the past two weeks, we've covered half the NFL teams and how they did in this year's NFL Draft. Now, it's time to look at the AFC South, a division that had two playoff teams last year and two dumpster fires, one of which didn't even have a first or second round pick this year. Tony, what do you see when you look at the AFC South drafts? I see two teams in the Jaguars and the Colts that I thought had very strong drafts. I see the Titans that potentially had a strong draft. And I see the Texans, who I actually thought did a decent job for themselves with a limited number of selections. Now we'll get to this week's show in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Not a ton of interesting football bets to make that we haven't already covered here. There's certainly sports action all over the landscape from the NBA and NHL playoffs to baseball. Uh, Speaking of baseball, I wonder if you can bet on the over-under where many of the Met injured players will be returning to the field. It's almost half their roster at this point in time. Definitely gotten pretty crazy for, uh, for those Mets here. You can head on over to the website BetOnline.com. AG, or use your mobile device to sign up today. Probably can't bet on the Mets injured players, but you can receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Now we'll start at the top here with the Jacksonville Jaguars, the AFC South team, which had the number one pick in the draft. And really they made the easy pick at number one, drafting Clemson quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, a guy who, has been destined to be the top overall pick in the NFL draft, more or less since he stepped on the field, you know, a couple of games into his college career. Uh, you know, everyone just saw the, the talent and kind of the generational upside oozing in him. And he never got to the point where people were nitpicking him like crazy, where people were trying to knock him down, which happens with every quarterback prospect. You feel like year after year, I feel like it didn't happen with Trevor Lawrence, which is just a testament to how good he is as a quarterback. We'll get to the Jaguars second first round pick in just a moment, but Tony, Trevor Lawrence to the Jags. Easy one. What else is there to say? Well, you know, I'm going to slightly disagree with you because you had that whole ridiculous uh, debate or conversation uh, about how much does he love football when he made a few comments that people didn't agree with. And this was just a couple of weeks before the draft. People were questioning uh, his commitment to football. And I mean, Trevor Lawrence was a guy who, despite the fact that he missed two games because he tested positive for COVID and was out of the running for the Heisman trophy. And for all intents and purposes could have shut it down right then and there and still would have been the first uh, pick of the draft decides to come back after, I guess the quarantine for COVID to try and help his team uh, win a national championship. So yeah, I, I mean, there wasn't anything major. Some people talked about his downfield accuracy, you know, but the thing is there was nothing there to pick at. I mean, even if you wanted to really manufacture something, it's not there with Trevor Lawrence. He was far and away the best prospect in this draft. And he also happens to be a quarterback. Lucky thing for the Jaguars. 
Uh, and the fact is, this, he's got tremendous upside. He's a leader on and off the field, as I've said time and time again. You know, I, I firmly believe he is the one that was mostly responsible for many of the college conferences, whether it be the ACC, whether it be the Big 12, whether it be the SEC, some of the minor conferences, really starting their season on time or with a limited delay. Because if you remember when the Pac-12 and the Big 10 were initially stating that they were going to cancel the fall seasons, Trevor Lawrence put his mug out there, put his face out there and said, you know, we want to play. Let us play. So it shows you, you know, a bit of his leadership off the field as well as on it. The Jaguars got a a once in a lifetime prospect at the quarterback position. It's just a matter of coaching him correctly moving forward. Now Lawrence's teammate, Travis Etienne, went number 25 overall to Jacksonville. Bit of a surprise here because James Robinson had a great season as an undrafted back last year, but he's an undrafted running back. So they're not fully invested in him in the sense where they can't upgrade at the position or at least draft somebody to, you know, play a nice compliment to him. Urban Meyer has come out and talked about ETN as, uh, you know, they're going to line him up wide. They're going to use him as a receiver, as like a slash type of player. Uh, you know, we've talked about on this show how he just is not that kind of player in terms of being a natural receiver. You know, he's not a guy that's going to line up in the slot and run routes for you. Um, I, I think that's kind of might maybe what they're trying to develop him into. Certainly he did improve as a pass catcher throughout his college career, but this is a guy that just two years ago said he was not comfortable as a receiver. So to kind of transition him and, and talk about him in the way that they've talked to him feels like coach speak to me, um, you know, maybe just trying to placate James Robinson after he had such a good season last year. Um, you know, maybe these two can coexist in the backfield, but the reality is ETN is the breakaway threat. ETN is the guy who, when you hand him the ball, he can take it to the house every time. You know, he, if he has the ball in his hands, he can score touchdowns. Uh, so he's the game breaker. He's the guy that regardless of how they use him, uh, he's going to be on the field and they're going to make sure that they get a lot out of their investment here, you know, good player, the guy we thought deserved to be a first round pick, but definitely just a surprising landing spot for him. Yeah. I, I don't agree this with this, that, you know, he's going to be a slash type player. Your slash type of skill players are usually your incredibly quick creative guys that can make defenders miss that finds ways to create yards. He's not that type of player. He's a real good running back. There's no doubt about it. But a slash type of player, I, I you know, I, I don't see him as that. I see him as a very good, primarily downhill ball carrier who can turn the corner on occasion, uh, who I, I believe he's a better pass catcher out of the backfield than given credit for, even though he said he's not very comfortable. It is a surprise pick because he's not that different from James Robinson. I mean, they're both uh, – Robinson is more of a power runner and 18 has more breakaway ability – uh, but they still have similar type of style. So I, I guess it was with some of the receivers that were on the board, with some of the cornerbacks that were on the board, uh, this was a bit of a surprising pick to me. Got three picks on the second day for the Jaguars, two in the second round. With the first pick in the second round, they drafted Georgia cornerback Tyson Campbell. 12 picks later, they went with Stanford offensive tackle Walker Little. And 20 picks later, at pick 65, the first pick of round three, Syracuse safety Andre Sisco. Now, Tyson Campbell, again, part of that stacked Georgia secondary that we talked about a lot this season. Good size, good ball skills. Only one interception, though, over the past three seasons. So I guess you could say that's some cause for concern. But a very good quarterback, a guy we like a lot, and certainly a guy who's going to upgrade the Jacksonville secondary. Him and C.J. Henderson are going to be a very nice pair of corners. Walker Little had an injury in 2019, opted out last year, so really hasn't played meaningful football in almost two seasons. Uh, but, you know, a guy that was getting some first-round hype. Uh, will be interesting to see how quickly he acclimates back to the football field. And then Andre Sisco, versatile safety. 
a guy who could play any position here. Uh, you know, missed a lot of last season with a knee injury. So another kind of you know injury issue here. But a guy that should be healthy heading into the year. What do you think what the Jags did on day two, Tony? Well, I, I think with Campbell, he's got a ter- terrific amount of upside. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He has shown some uh, development in his game the past two years. I thought he played much better in 2020 than he did in 2019. Not that concerned with the one interception because a lot of times – what will happen is with a, when you've got a guy like Tyson Campbell, opponents just won't throw in his direction. Although they, as you said, they had a stacked uh, uh, secondary at, at Georgia. In fact, Campbell was the second defensive back, the second cornerback selected uh, out of the program. A good amount of upside. A lot of people thought that pick was going to be Trevon Morig. Morig had the red flags because of a back injury. So they come away with Andre Sisco who's a little bit smaller than Morig, but he's got better range. He's more of a true center fielder, a guy that can go sideline to sideline. I think he's slightly more explosive than Morig. Probably he's not as good against the run. Uh, obviously, he doesn't have the same size as Morig. Does have a knee issue. Morig's got a back issue. We'll see how Cisco returns from the knee issue. Uh, Walker Little, I, I think, makes terrific sense. you got to remember, uh, it, it, in the lead-up to the draft, they franchise Cam Robinson, so they got him for one more year. So Walker Little doesn't have to come in and start right away at left tackle. He can get acclimated to the situation. Like you said, he hasn't played much football in the past couple of years, but off the 2018 film, a lot of people, including myself, thought that Walker Little was a legit top 20 selection with his size, his footwork, his ability to protect the edge, get out on the second level. And again, I think this is a good long-term selection by the Jaguars who are not going to need him to play next year. You'll have to wait and see what happens with Cam Robinson. Are they happy with Robinson's uh, play? Do they keep Robinson around or do they say adios to Robinson and, and, and let Walker Little take over that spot? Now, four picks on the third day for Jacksonville. In the fourth round, they drafted USC defensive tackle Jay Tufeli. Also in the fourth round, 15 picks later, UAB pass rusher Jordan Smith, a guy we've spent a lot of time talking about on the show. In round five, Ohio State tight end Luke Farrell was the pick. And in round six, Georgia Tech wide receiver Jalen Camp. Tufeli, the three-technique type guy who's going to, you know, create penetration on the inside. Solid pick here for Jacksonville. Jordan Smith, also a solid pick. Um, you know, a guy that we think has potential as an off-ball linebacker in addition to being a pass rusher. At the senior bowl, is kind of pigeonholed as a pass rusher. And that certainly looks like the Jaguars are going to start him off there. I will see if, you know, he can develop or show them further things. But for right now, it looks like he is just going to be a pass rusher. Luke Farrell, a guy, good blocker, not the greatest receiver. You know, profiles as more of a, a backup type of guy, but a guy that certainly can make the roster. And Jalen Camp, kind of the opposite of Luke Farrell in that, you know, he has a lot of traits. Went to Georgia Tech when they were a triple option offense. Uh, showed a bit this season that, you know, he's a halfway decent receiver. Uh, you know, got good size and athletic ability, uh, but definitely a project, definitely a traits-based type of third-day pick. Tony, what did you think of what the Jags did at the end of the draft? But Tefeli was a, was a terrific selection. Like you said, he's a three-technique uh, tackle. They needed a defensive tackle. There were some people who were projecting the uh, Jaguars to take a, a defensive tackle at the end of round one or at the top of round two. And I thought that would, was going to be a huge mistake because they've used so much draft capital on guys like Josh Allen, uh, Clavon Chazon, Taven Bryan. Granted, Josh Allen and Chazon are defensive front seven players. But still, they've used a lot of draft capital on the defensive line. I thought taking an early pick on the defensive line would have been a mistake. I thought Tufeli was a terrific uh, selection for them in round four. They fill a need with a solid player, and they do it in day three. 
I'm not that high on the pick of George Smith because I think George Smith is a three, four outside linebacker. That's where he would be best. And I think George Smith is a lot like Josh Allen and a lot like Clavon Chazon, two players who I believe are out of position, two guys who should be standing over tackle, but now they're going to go to a four man front. George Smith, I think, is going to struggle in a 4-3. As you said, I mean, we've been raving about George Smith since last summer because he is explosive. He is athletic. I thought they did him a disservice at the senior bowl when they almost singularly lined him up as a defensive end. I think he's best in a 3-4 type of system standing over uh, tackle. You know, we'll see what happens with the Jaguars. Are they going to line up four-man fronts, or are they occasionally going to have a guy stand up over tackle? And even if they do, they got Josh Allen and and Clavin Chase on there. Chase on who's done absolutely nothing. Um, Luke Farrell was kind of interesting in the sense that they selected him two picks before Brevin Jordan went. Now, tight end is a desperate need uh, for the Jaguars. Luke Farrell is what you see. I mean, he's probably a very good number two tight end at the next level, who, as you said, is a good blocker and a solid intermediate range uh, pass catcher. Brevin Jordan went where I thought he was going to go. As I was saying in the lead up to the draft, he was falling down draft boards because of a couple of different reasons, but he's got much better upside than Luke Farrell. He's a much better uh, natural pass catcher. He's a much better downfield threat. So I thought that pick was interesting the way they selected Farrell over Jordan. Jalen Camp is a developmental guy. I don't know that he makes the active roster. He's got size. He's got speed. He's not a bad pass catcher, but he's really got to improve his route running. He's got to expand his route tree, and he's going to have to learn to play in an NFL-type system. Now, six undrafted free agents. Two that stand out to me, Dylan Moses uh, out of Alabama, a linebacker that you know we were talking about couple years ago as you know a guy that could be a first or second round pick gets injured comes back doesn't have the same level of production but as we've said a lot of that was just the role he was asked to play in the Alabama defense he falls completely out of the draft somehow uh, you know real good job by the Jaguars scooping him up I mean this is a guy that if they can get him uh, back to speed and back to full health uh, you know I did see that he was going to start camp on the NFI list um, so you know obviously there might be still some lingering issues from the knee injury but you know if they can get him back to 95 to 100 percent health i mean this is a guy with starting upside that you signed after the draft just an absolute steal then dj daniels out of georgia tyson campbell's college teammate a guy that many people had as the top georgia corner heading into the season ends up falling out of the draft while two of his teammates go in the top 33 picks uh you know decent player but it was never you know the top 45 top 50 pick that a lot of scouts had him out to be and you know in this case obviously did not even get drafted uh, Tony, what stood out to you about the undrafted Hoffman Jackson? Yeah, I mean, D.J. Daniels is a guy who, sort of like DeAndre Baker coming out of Georgia, could not make plays with his back to the ball, was constantly face guarding. He's got adequate size and he's physical, but you're going to have to put him in his own type system. So uh, am I surprised he fell out of the draft? Yes. Am I surprised uh, that he fell out of the top 125 picks? Absolutely not. And obviously, Dylan Moses. I mean, you hope he gets back to speed. We'll hope it's not another situation where it's an Alabama player who was overplayed, got injured, and his NFL career is ruined. Although Dylan Moses, uh, honestly, is a different situation because he was initially injured during August camp of 2019. Uh, But a guy who, you know, was just a tremendous football player. Hope he gets it back together. Tim Jones, the uh, receiver out of Southern Miss, is a guy to watch because he's also a good return specialist. Solid pass catcher who can double as a punt returner. Could make it as a fifth receiver. Now, the next team with a pick in this division was the Indianapolis Colts at number 21 overall. And they only had two picks in the first two days, and they're at the same position. So we'll lump them together here. Usually we discuss 
the first round pick separately, but that first round pick was Michigan defensive end Quiddy Pay at number 21 overall. I mean, obviously a great story uh, if you know about Quiddy Pay and his background and his family. Also a really good athlete, solid size. He's a guy that has the potential to be a complete defensive end. Um, you know, needs to fill out a little bit in order to improve his strength against the run. It may not be there right away, uh, but he should be able to impact as a pass rusher. You know, maybe he's not a 15 sack type of guy, but if you can get eight to 10 sacks and good run defense out of him, you know, certainly this is a worthwhile pick. And then 33 picks later, they drafted Vanderbilt defensive end, Dio Odiingbo. Uh, both of these guys should end up being starters next year. Pay is going to start right away. Odiingbo does, you know, have an injury where he's not going to start this season, most likely. Um, there's a chance that they could end up redshirting him. Uh, but I mean, this is another guy with three down type of potential, um, you know, got hurt right before the senior bowl. But, you know, I mean, this this is an upside pick, certainly for Indianapolis. I mean, you know, if, if he comes back healthy, you're looking at your two starting defensive ends for the Colts next season, or sorry, in 2022. Hey, obviously this season, but, you know, they lost their two biggest back defensive ends in Justin Houston and, and Denico Autry. And, you know, they really decided that they wanted to make sure that they addressed the position. And I think they did it with two excellent prospects for what they picked. Yeah, I think Quiddy Pay was great value. There was talk that Philadelphia was looking at him early in the draft. They move up to get Devonta Smith. I knew that Miami liked him. Miami takes Jalen Phillips at 18 to fill their pass rusher need. I thought for sure the New York Giants were going to take him after trading down to fill their pass rusher need. They go with Kadarius Toney. And sure enough, uh, Chris Ballard, one of the best general managers in the league, is sitting there waiting in the weeds and pounces all over Pay. Gets a tremendous prospect, fills a need, I think Pay's going to be a day one starter. You talked about his story. He's a motivated guy. He makes football a priority. I think he's got a great amount of upside. This is going to be one of the value picks of the 2021 draft. Adeya Bingo, I mean, I was glad to see him get selected in round two. A lot of people, uh, you know, were not as high on him as we are. But when you watch him play, when he's healthy, he's a 280-pound defensive end who can rush the passer, stop the run, turn and change direction and get out in space in pursuit and make plays. Uh, it's a matter of him getting back to health. If he does, and he's able to really start to pick up where he left off the past two years, because he's been a good player at Vanderbilt for a couple of seasons. Now he's got growth potential. He is really a complete defensive end where I think pays a good pass rusher who will struggle against the uh, run. Uh, Adeo is a good pass rusher who is a terrific run defender who can play in pursuit. I thought both of these picks were outstanding, really really the mark of Chris Ballard great value with pay and a guy who down the road could be an outstanding uh, selection with Dale. And no third round pick. As I mentioned for Indy five picks on the third day though, in round four SMU tight end Kylan Granton was the pick in round five, Florida safety, Sean Davis round six, they drafted Sam Ellinger quarterback out of Texas. And then two seventh rounders, Charleston wide receiver, Mike Strachan and Penn state offensive lineman, Will Fries, a uh, Kylan Granton, kind of your typical move tight end. Uh, type of guy, um, you know, should take over kind of the role that Mo Ali Cox played a little bit last year for Indy. Sean Davis, more of a run defender, more of a strong safety type of guy who can defend the run, maybe play some zone. Uh, Sam Ellinger, you know, strictly a backup prospect, you know, doesn't have a great arm, but a guy who has a lot of experience at the college level, a good leader. Um, so, you know, an interesting enough six round pick, but limited upside there. And then Strachan, big, tall guy. I mean, you know, Tony, I know you've talked about him potentially becoming a move tight end, um, you know, at at the NFL level, just because of his size. And also he just does not have really any speed to his game at all, but you know, worth the seventh round flyer as a small school guy who you know has some traits that could pay off. And then Will Fries, you know, another low upside type of offensive lineman, but a guy who could catch on as a backup. What do you think of what the Colts did on day three? 
Well, you know, Carson Wentz had a lot of success with a guy by the name of Zach Ertz in Philadelphia. And Granson, he's not Kyle Ertz, but he's that type of player. You know, you said a move tight end. He's a guy who is a terrific pass catcher. You're going to put him in motion before the snap. You can line him up in the slot. Granson, the, the only reason why Granson was not an earlier pick, I believe, is because he's not six three and a half. He was barely six foot two. He was he had more of H back size than he did tight end size. But I think the way the uh, the Colts will use him and the way Carson Wentz is used to that type of tight end, it was a terrific fit. Sean Davis, solid guy who I, I mean he he's shown flashes, but he never consistently played at a high level. I, I'm glad to see Sam Ellinger get drafted, but I'm surprised he got drafted. He's a guy who, good character guy. I met him and uh, for and got to speak with him for a, a bit of time at the Senior Bowl. Easy guy to root for, but he just doesn't have the physical skills. I guess playing inside, uh, inside stadium in Indianapolis at, at Lucas Oil Stadium and playing in what is primarily good weather cities in the AFC South will help him. But Ellinger just does not have the physical skills. I mean, the last day of Senior Bowl practice, it was windy and he could not get the ball through the wind. Hoping for the best for him because he's a good guy. I just don't think he's got the physical skills for the next level. Strachan is a terrific possession receiver who consistently comes away with the uh, contested grab. Sure hands. Obviously didn't play last year because his team, uh, the, I, I believe they outright canceled the season. Wolf Rise will add some uh, depth if he makes the active roster. He's played tackle. He's played guard at Penn State. Solid player, just not a great athlete. Step five signings after the draft for the Colts. Two wide receivers, Tyler Vaughn's out of USC and Tarek Black out of Texas, formerly Michigan. Um, you know, two guys that at some points were interesting third-day type of picks. Uh, Tyler Vaughn's kind of fell off this year with the emergence of Drake London, was always kind of second fiddle before that to Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, you know, not great size, not great athleticism, but good route runner, smart receiver, you know, has a chance to maybe make the back end of the roster. And then Black, a big, tall receiver, not a great athlete, but, you know, a guy who can win in contested situations and, and do some work there. Tony, what do you think of these two receivers and anybody else that Indy picked up after the draft? Yeah, I, I, Tyler Vaughn's also played second fiddle to at USC to Michael Pittman, who is now his uh, teammate on the Indianapolis Colts. Vaughn's, uh, I, I was disappointed in his play, but when you look at his game, he's a good route runner who separates from opponents, not the fastest guy, but sure-handed. If he gets back to what he was showing in 2019, he'll have an opportunity to make the roster. I also thought Deion Jackson uh, was a real good sign-in signing Marlon Mack has had his injury issues. They got Jonathan Taylor there who they took in the second round. They also have Naheen Hines, who is a terrific complimentary player. I think Deion Jackson will absolutely uh, compete for a, a position uh, on the active roster. He's big, he's fast. Uh, he, he's an intense guy. He's really someone that could spell Jonathan Taylor and, and come in on occasion for Jonathan Taylor. I, I don't want to say I'm surprised he fell out of the draft. He was given early round grades coming into the season. He had an okay year. Then he just had a lights out pro day. Uh, absolutely think he's got a chance to make the active roster for the Colts. Now moving on here to the following pick in the first round for the Tennessee Titans. They drafted Virginia Tech quarterback, Caleb Farley, a guy we've spent a lot of time talking about on the show. Very talented player, very up and down performance at times. And then he opted out of the 2020 season. So that up and down play probably is going to carry for him into the 2021 season as made the back surgery that he had in March. He might be ready for the opener, but he's going to miss a lot of preseason work. Um, you know, there's a lot working against it, having a really big early impact in his career, but long-term, I mean, he has the size, the speed, the ball skills, 
you know, they're all there. So there is a lot of talent here for Caleb Farley. Just might take him some time to get there. You know, as we saw last year with Isaiah Wilson, oftentimes the, the Tennessee Titans seem to dismiss red flags or don't even know about red flags that other teams have on players. We'll talk about uh, one of those guys later on. But, you know, I agree with you with Farley. In my opinion, he was more flash than he was consistency. Yeah, he's got great upside, but on my board, he was never the top 12 selection that people were, were uh, making him out to be. He's got great upside, but now, as you said, he opts out in 2020. He has the back issue right before the draft. It's not the first time he's had a back issue. Uh, you know, and, and what happens is when you've had multiple back issues, you usually have them moving forward. You know, this is a risky pick, and Tennessee is used to risky or made risky picks in the past that have not worked out, like Isaiah Wilson. I mean, if if Farley is able to stay healthy and continue to develop his game, they got a shutdown corner, a guy, a guy who can start with excellent size and speed, but he's a long way from being that. Again, I tell people, go back and watch the 2019 Notre Dame game. At times, he looked dominant. At times, he looked just completely confused and out of sorts. So, you know, which celeb Farley are the Tennessee Titans getting moving forward? Three picks on the second day for Tennessee. North Dakota State offensive lineman Dylan Radens, friend of the show who we talked to a few months ago. Georgia linebacker Monty Rice at pick 92 in round three. Then eight picks later, Washington defensive back Elijah Molden. Uh, you know, Radens is a guy who can play multiple positions, good athlete. You know, not the dominant run blocking type of guy, but can play tackle, did it in college, can play guard. Uh, so bring some versatility to the Tennessee offensive line. Monty Rice. Uh, you know, good athlete, small type of linebacker. You know, he's a pursuit player, but a good player. I thought he was pretty good value in this situation and, you know, could step in for Rashawn Evans as soon as you know, early this season. Elijah Molden, another good player, not the biggest guy, uh, but, you know, good ball skills, plays the run very well. Tony, what do you think about what Tennessee did on the second day? It'll be interesting to see if Redunz competes or is given the opportunity to compete for that right tackle spot, which is an open wound right now for the Tennessee Titans. You know, I would suggest the Tennessee Titans fans go back and listen to the interview we did with Redunz, I believe it was sometime in February. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's got it going on, a guy who's got it all together, someone who, you know, is outspoken, but when he, when he speaks outwardly, you know, he does it with intelligence and facts I mean, that, that is redundant. That, that's the way he came across in this interview. Uh, Titan fans, you know, you're really going to like this guy if you go back and listen to him. And like you said, I mean, he protected the blind side for Trey Lance in 2019, didn't play last year, was very good at the senior bowl. I mean, really had his moments at the senior bowl where he really stood out, has the versatility. I'm going to be interested to see if he starts off at right tackle in camp uh, this summer. For the Titans, Monty Rice, I was a bit surprised that he went that early, had some injury issues. I, I thought he was a better player in 2019 than he was in 2020, although he came into the season with huge grades. Elijah Molden, in a lot of ways, is everything Celeb Farley isn't. He's consistent. He's consistently productive. He gets the most from his ability. He doesn't have lapses in his game. The problem is, is he's short and he's slow, which is why he went in the third round. If he was an inch and a half taller, if he was, you know, two tenths faster in the 40, he would have been a first round pick. A lot of people were projecting him as a first round pick. I thought that was ridiculous. He's a guy that you can line up at safety. I don't think he's a cornerback, although I think he's the type of player you can play. You can line up over the slot receiver and he won't be a liability. Just a real good football player who has average size and speed. Four picks on the third day for Tennessee, starting with Louisville wide receiver Des Fitzpatrick at pick 109 overall. A big possession receiver who really started his career and ended his career 
with his two better seasons, the first one with Lamar Jackson, and then this past season, you know, after taking a couple of years where he just wasn't quite as productive as he was early in his career. Pittsburgh defensive end Rashad Weaver was their other pick in round four. Another guy who has had some production throughout his career, decent athlete, um, you know, a guy who went behind Patrick Jones. Uh, you know, that was kind of the case coming into the season where a lot of people like Patrick Jones more, but then Weaver had the better season, tested out as the better athlete, still went after Patrick Jones in the draft. No fifth round picks for Tennessee, but two in the sixth LSU wide receiver, Racy McMath, kind of similar in a way to Des Fitzpatrick, except take away the production. You know, a big guy who's more of a possession receiver is going to win out in contested situations. Then Brady Breeze, safety out of Oregon at pick 215, profiles as a backup special teamer type. But you know, in the sixth round, you can get a guy like that. And he was a very productive college player. So maybe there's a bit more, um, you know, besides the fact that, you know, he's not the greatest athlete, but he does have decent size for a strong safety at the very least, core special teamer type. Tony, what do you think of the rest of Tennessee's draft? Yeah, I, I mean, both of the receivers that they selected have excellent size. They're going to need some depth at the receiver position. I thought Fitzpatrick and McMath went a little bit earlier than I projected. Fitzpatrick, especially, he was a guy who was a sophomore, I thought had big time potential, but he just never realized it. He showed a lot of flashes the past two years. Uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, Brady Breeze was a surprise pick to me. Uh, he's a guy who is a hard hitting safety. I didn't think he was going to get drafted. He was solid in 2019, opted out last year. I think when they drafted Brady Breeze, it was primarily for his special team's potential, especially on coverage units. Rashad Weaver, I, I mean, you left out the fact that right after the draft or a couple of days after the draft, it was announced that he was arrested for assaulting a woman. And then the Titans, you know, kind of pour salt on the wound when the, the morning after he's arrested, they said they had no idea what was going on. And maybe they didn't. But coming off of what happened with Isaiah Wilson, the optics are very, very bad on this one. And understandably, Rashad Weaver is entitled to due process. You know, you are innocent until proven guilty. I firmly believe that. But it's just a bad look for the Titans. And if, if this is something significant and this, uh, this, uh, this draft class doesn't pan out or, or they somehow go in reverse, you know, the Rashad Weaver incident or the Rashad Weaver pick, the Isaiah Wilson pick, that's what leads to people losing their jobs. Now, nine free agents signed after the draft by Tennessee. One that stands out to me, Naquan Jones out of Michigan State. Not because he went undrafted, because if you've heard us talk about Naquan Jones on the show, you know that, you know, we kind of think he's, you know, a free agent type of prospect. Um, you know, a guy who very early in his career was a good player, then kind of just leveled off, even got worse, even regressed as his career went on. You know, he's a decent, decent athlete, but just not, just no real production coming from him the last few seasons after there was a lot of hype around him. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can turn it around. Um, you know, you've talked about kind of Tennessee and a lot of, uh, maybe I don't want to call them institutional failures, but, you know, questionable decisions and things like that. Maybe not the, the situation where, you know, a player like this is, you know, ripe for development and, and in a good spot to, you know, outproduce. Uh, but, you know, there was hype for him early in his career. So I guess you can always leave the light on, but probably not a lot going on. Tony, besides Jones, what else actually stands out to you in terms of, you know, guys that could maybe make the roster here? You know, I agree with you about Jones. In fact, after a sophomore season, I had him as a guy that I thought could be a, a potential top 60 pick. In fact, scouts graded him as a potential third round pick. As you said, he leveled off even rest. Now that being the case, you know, I, I learned a lot about Na Naquan Jones in the weeks leading up to the draft. He had a very tough upbringing. Uh, it's a matter of him, Naquan Jones making football priority. If he does, as you mentioned, you know, he's got the size and the skill and the power and the explosion to tap into to play on the NFL level. So 
uh, you know, learning about him, I, I'm ab absolutely rooting for him. And, and I hope that uh, he's able to meet that potential. Torrey Carter, they signed as a free agent. You know, you don't think anything about a fullback, but Torrey Carter could move towards uh, the season as the starting fullback uh, for the Tennessee Titans. Justice Reed, the pass rusher uh, from uh, Justice Reed started his career at Florida. Then he went on to Youngstown State. Then he went on to uh, last year, he played at Virginia Tech. He's been in college for like eight years. He's probably going to start collecting social security checks sooner rather than later. But the fact is, the guy's a terrific pass rusher when you watch him on film. He's very athletic. He's very explosive. He's had issues with injuries in the past. Uh, I think that is a free agent signing to keep an eye on. Now we'll move on here to the Houston Texans who had just five draft picks, none of them in the top 65. They lost their first and second round picks in the Laramie Tunzel trade a couple of years ago. Uh, when I mentioned dumpster fires at the beginning of the show, this is essentially the definition of a dumpster fire. And we don't even have to go into everything that's going on with Deshaun Watson at this point, but no picks in the first or second round. Like I said, two in the third though, Davis Mills, Stanford quarterback was the selection at number 67 and Nico Collins, Michigan wide receiver at pick number 89. Uh, I mean, Mills is a guy that five, 10 years ago would have been a higher draft pick than he was because he is the prototype in terms of size, arm strength, uh, but didn't have much experience at the college level. He's actually a decent athlete. He's not a complete statue in the pocket in terms of his athletic ability. Um, maybe not a guy who's scrambling around or, or trying to do things with his legs, but he can escape when he needs to. But this is purely a developmental type of pick for Houston. I mean, depending what happens with Deshaun Watson, it's a guy that could end up making starts toward the end of, you know, yet another lost season in Houston if Watson misses a you know, large portion of the season due to suspension or whatever may happen with him. But Davis Mills probably going to get a shot here, whether that's a good or a bad thing for you know him and the Texans. Kind of remains to be seen. Nico Collins, like a lot of guys we've discussed on the show, a big guy, a possession receiver, but he tested out as a pretty good athlete. Um, you know, maybe more of a linear athlete in terms of needs uh, to build up his speed a little bit, maybe not quick in and out of his roots, but there is some upside here. And, you know, the Texans don't have that much at receivers, Brandon Cooks and, and a lot of question marks. So, you know, there could be playing time ahead for Nico Collins. If he can translate his athleticism to the football field, this could end up being a pretty intriguing pick. Tony, what do you think of these two guys? Well, first of all, I think it was foolish that almost from the moment he was picked, you know, people were writing that Davis Mills was going to replace Deshaun Watson. To me, that that's, that's utterly ridiculous. You don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson at this point in time. I think I read today uh, that the cases are not going to be in court until 2022. And again, you know, like Rashad Weaver, despite, uh, you know, despite any, how anybody wants to read the tea leaves and get into it, Deshaun Watson does deserve due process and he is innocent until proven guilty. That's for anybody. I'm not, I'm not taking a Deshaun Watson side that everybody deserves that. But as far as Davis Mills is concerned, you know, I, I think what happened is after Washington passed him up in the, in round two, when he was there for uh, uh, the Texans, they said, listen, let's, let, we got to grab him. Now, remember, I was told that the new England Patriots really liked Davis Mills a lot. Nick Cesario is now the general manager of the Houston Texans. He comes from new England. So he's that type of quarterback. As you said, he's got the size He's got the arm strength uh, coming into the season. A scout had told me that if Davis Mills plays up to the level of expectation that they had of him, he was going to be a top 15 pick. Obviously he didn't come close to playing that level of expectation. He's got all the physical skills. When I watched them on film, my concern with him is he's a little bit slow to pull the trigger and that can be a dangerous thing. Doesn't have a big body of work. 
We'll see what happens now in Tennessee. I think you said it right about Nico Collins, a guy who's going to win out for the contested throw. Really didn't show a lot of quickness or speed in person at the uh, during senior bowl practices, but he caught everything that was thrown to him. And, and the fact is, you know, I think he's going to not so much add depth, but he's going to com- eventually compete to be a starter uh, for the Houston Texans. Now, three picks on the third day, two of them in round five, no fourth round pick for Houston this year, really late draft for the Texans. Miami tight end Brevin Jordan was the selection at 147. Yeah, we talked about earlier when Jacksonville took Luke Farrell two picks ahead. Then 23 picks later in the same round, TCU linebacker Garrett Wallow was the selection. Then in the sixth round, Arizona defensive tackle Roy Lopez. Brevin Jordan, I mean, you know, this is a guy that really good athlete. I mean, a guy that Miami got involved in the passing game on screens. They got the ball in his hands. He's very good after the catch. Uh, but as we discussed, kind of leading up to the draft, his stock was falling. Interviews weren't going well for him. Uh, teams had a lot of questions that, you know, he just wasn't able to answer. Uh, but, I mean, in the fifth round, I think this is an excellent pick for Houston. Um, you know, there's definitely a lot of upside in Brevin Jordan, even if he's not the prospect that a lot of people wanted him to be in terms of being, you know, a, a high day two pick. Uh, which, you know, certainly things that were heard before the season, even during the season. Uh, But, you know, at at this point in the draft, you're betting on traits, and and certainly he has good athletic traits, and he's been a productive player at Miami, so certainly worth a roll of the dice. Garrett Wallow, also a productive player for TCU. He's just kind of small and slow. Uh, But, you know, he's got good instincts. He's a guy that's going to get every ounce out of the talent that he has, at the very least, a good special teamer, but, you know, a guy that could end up being a low-end starter in the right kind of system, you know, where he's protected or where he's got a lot of talent around him, and you know what you're going to get for him. He's going to be reliable. He's not going to miss a lot of tackles. He's not going to find himself in bad positions. So if that's the kind of guy you need as like a glue piece of your defense, Garrett Wallow can certainly provide that. And then Roy Lopez, guy who can penetrate the line, uh, you know, more of a three-technique type of tackle, you know, has some upside as well for a six-round pick here. Tony, how do you think Houston did on the third day? I thought Brevin Jordan was an outstanding pick. He's got a great amount of upside, as you said. He's a guy who really has shown flashes the past two years. He's far from being a complete tight end, but he has that ability. You look at the uh, the roster. Uh, you look at the fact that Cesaro's going there. They're probably going to use a lot of two tight end sets moving forward. Uh, I thought this was an excellent pick. I thought this could be a major steal. Good for the Texans rolling the dice on him. Garrett Wallow is, an, like you said, an undersized, tough inside middle linebacker type that sells out to make plays. Uh, I think in that three, four type of system, he can do very well. Roy Lopez. I was surprised he was drafted. I liked him a lot at New Mexico state in 2019. I thought he was okay at Arizona last year. As you said, he's more of a three technique type, the size and the style. I don't know how he's going to do in the ten- in the uh, Houston Texans three man line, although they use it more with a one gap system. Uh, I thought it was a little bit early for Roy Lopez. I didn't think he was going to get drafted. He's got a bit of an upside. I think if he doesn't make the active roster, which I think is going to be a tough go of it for him, he'll find his way onto a practice squad somewhere. Now, despite drafting only five players, Houston signed only four players after the draft. Really strange. Usually it's kind of the opposite. You sign like 12 guys if you have five picks. But Damon Hazleton, wide receiver out of Missouri, played at Virginia Tech early in his career. Good size, uh, has shown be productive at times was productive early in his career for Virginia Tech but you know kind of like we talked about with with Naquan Jones just kind of leveled off as his career went on but there is some potential in Hazleton thought that was a nice signing after the draft and then Carson Green out of Texas A&M guy who played tackle in college more of a small area run blocking type of guy but you know could fit in at guard on the inside 
uh, showed some versatility at the senior bowl. So I thought that was also an interesting signing for the Texans. Tony, what do you think of these four guys? Yeah, I agree with you about Hazleton. I thought Marlon Williams was a great signing for him. I'd be surprised if he doesn't make the active roster. A receiver who doesn't have great size, he doesn't have great speed, but he's got incredibly consistent hands. Finds ways to separate through his routes, finds the open spot in the defense, consistently extends his hands to offer the quarterback a target and catches everything that is thrown in his direction. I, I really thought Williams should have been drafted, but he does, he's not fast on, uh, for the 40. He's not really that fast on the field, although he's, he's a solid vertical threat. I thought this was an outstanding signing by the Texans. That's it for the 191st episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by Bet Online and the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us any questions and give any feedback you may have as well. We'll be back on our next show with the NFC South. But until then, for Tony Pauline, this is Chris Brody. Good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.